Hello, photography lovers, and welcome to another Wednesday episode of the Fashion Photography Podcast along with me, Virginia. It's time for the third part of our interview with the Masons. If you have missed part one and part two, you can find them both on photographypodcast.net, along with all of our show notes where we can find the links and the names that we are discussing in the episodes. In this third part today, we're talking about the comfort and how to lose it in order to create magic, how to find and store your locations. And we also talk about the discomfort of the price conversation and the changes that we want to see in our industry. If you're interested in those topics, just listen to the podcast because it's starting right now. When was the last time and what was the last thing that made you get out of your comfort zone? I would say every single passion shoot that we do. So when I say passion shoot, it's either portfolio shoot, but it's a shoot that doesn't involve a client or publication. It's literally a shoot when we get our team together and we just create magic. And that's what we do. We kind of made a promise to ourselves that when time allows, we do passion shoots and every single one needs to put us out of our comfort zone. It's either due to the model we take on, due to the story we want to tell. These are the shoes that we kind of try to break boundaries a bit more, focus either on more gender fluid or focus more on gender issues or representation and things. So we really try to push these things when we do this type of shoots. And it should sometimes feel a bit uncomfortable or be like we haven't done this before, but that's the purpose of everything. And we also have a team around us makeup artists or stylists that would push us in a slightly different direction that we would normally go but we're like okay let's take it on let's see how we would shoot this that's the time for us to be out of our comfort zone is when we do this type of shoot yeah I was just gonna say I enjoy being out of my comfort zone when we do these passion shoots it's there's comfortability in being out of my comfort zone and the reason why is because as Marushka said we have a team around us who we're constantly talking and pushing ideas And it constantly feels like we're just living on the edge, that we're creating something different. And I love that feeling. And then when it comes together and I see the shot and it's like, oh, gosh, that looks amazing. There's a rush that comes with that. So I enjoy being out of my comfort zone. It keeps me feeling alive. It keeps my passion going. I love it, too. And I think it's very important for each and every artist to go out of their comfort zone, because I think there is when you reach your potential. And by the way, I want to mention, I really love that you call your personal projects passion shoots, because that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, it is. It I is. think it we is. had this since the beginning. Really. Yeah, it's how we feel and we want to create and it's our passion and there's no restrictions, there's no rules, there's no regulations. It's just us with like-minded people around us who want to create something um, fun. very special and have fun with it as well. Yeah, so we love those type of projects for sure. Yeah. Let's mention this gorgeous team of yours that you mentioned already. Let's give them a shout out. Tell us how you met them and maybe you can also give us an advice or two on how we can meet our future great team. I mean, it wasn't easy It is not having this team because I find that it's a bit like a relationship, isn't it? You you meet th these people and they work with you and sometimes they could have done this a bit better or sometimes they could have done that a bit better. Marushka and I are very, we're perfectionists and we like people around us who also have that type of mentality. 
And sometimes, yeah, we had people work with us and it didn't quite fit. However, yeah, now we have a team around us. I'm going to mention the two girls that we've uh, recently kind of like started collaborating with and I feel they really push us in the right direction. So it's Elvira Brand, who's makeup and hair artist, and Effie, who just like F-E-I, because she has a really long surname, so she's just known as F-E-I, and she's a stylist. And I don't want to do injustice to anyone else that we worked before, because we work with some amazing makeup and hair stylists and stylists. But yeah, these two really feel that push us in the right direction. And it's actually quite funny, back to your question of how we met them. As Donna said, it's been a journey all the way this kind of a casting process because someone can be amazing talent and do amazing makeup or be amazing stylist, but you don't click personality-wise. So that's quite important that you do click and that you're on the same page. But with these two ladies, they actually approached us. I think one found us on the dots and one found us on Artstyle. So it's taking me back to those platforms. You can find your teams on those platforms. They're not just great for clients, but they're also great for finding your team and they both approached us so that's shout out to like all the people out there don't be afraid to approach people because just because they've done loads of work it doesn't mean that they're not actually still looking for someone to be on their team so yeah but it it is collaborative work we're very collaborative so we always see it as a teamwork sometimes they would come to us with a concept and we're like cool we'll shoot it you create a director so we're not just like oh we're the photographers and this is how we want it we open to their because I feel you know we feel we're all artists together and we're all here on this same platform wanting to create and enjoy our passion so it's an even platform for everyone to come together to create something special so it's just keep creating keep reaching out to different people until you find your tribe basically where you can accelerate in each shoot because you are all just so on the same page Great advice so far. And let's talk a little bit about locations. Because again, on your Instagram, sorry that I'm stalking you that much. No, no. <laughs> That's what it's there for. That's what's there for. Right? Yeah. We like nice stalkers. Yeah. <laughs> You've got some amazing locations there. How do you find them? What do you do? Do you consult with someone? How do you keep them? Maybe you have some amazing way to store great locations. That kind of takes me back where I grew up as well. The space around me has always been so important to me. So I run a lot, like I run every morning for like an hour and a half. So I would sometimes run to different places and I'll have my phone with me just to take photos. So I'm constantly, either when we go to a new place, I would go for a run at five o'clock in the morning just to scout the place online, Instagram. But we'd always go and see the place in person just to really know the light as well. And once I know the place, I would study then, is it south facing, east facing? When do we get the light? How do we get the light? But it is constantly looking out. Like I constantly have my eyes peeled. And even when we go for lunch with friends or, I don't know, a family trip or whatever, I'm constantly looking, constantly micro, macro locations. It's just as a photographer, I think you very much need to be aware of the space around you. And I've always been, so it's I've kind of kept it all the way through. So it's Yeah, just, um, and I think as well, going back to living out of your comfort zone, I think shooting on location is so unpredictable. But at the same time, you can get the most amazing shots from it if you know how to manipulate what is happening in the day with the weather at that specific time. And I think Marushka and I thrive on that. So there is that kind of excitement of us 
capturing the day, us mastering the light, as opposed to the light and the day mastering us. We like to throw ourselves into that all the time. There's been a few times where we've suggested places to the client and they're like, yeah, that's cool. That's great. That sounds great. And then when we get there, they're like, wow, oh my goodness, this place is amazing. Da, 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 da. We like to create drama or passion or just create emotion to do with the location that we're at because we think that's, that's part of it as well. I think it reads very well in our yeah. photography. But that's the other bit of your question. We do store it. So, you know, as we go and take pictures, we do have like a, a place that we put all these things. We do have a file where we put everything in. Can you give us an advice, maybe how to store it? If there is someone really lost in the public, maybe you use some apps, maybe you have your own system. As I said, like I would run with my phone and take photos and then just create an album called Locations and then UK, America, Europe, Slovenia. France, whatever, and then you just put it in. And then sometimes you can just write notes on it as well and say south facing, east facing, or you do a pin so you can go in and go on the maps. Sometimes I'll see the location, let's say if location is in America, and obviously I can't just fly to America and, and see it straight away, but I would be interested whether we potentially shoot there. I would go then on the map and see, right, is it south-facing, east-facing? Is it a good location, actually, or it just looks good? Like, is the sun at the right place at the right time? So it's just putting albums. It's easy on your phone, putting albums and write down notes, and that's it. I think also as well, you become aware of certain areas around where you live. Yeah. And you might be in a car or on a bus. Your eye catches a part of town or whatever, and it's like, oh, that place looks quite cool. And then just registering it and then taking time to go there to have a look at that location. Sometimes you know that this part of the coast is going to be nice or that part of the coast is going to be nice. Why don't we just jump in the car and have a drive and see what we see? I think, again, it boils down to the passion inside, the really wanting to create something. Because it's kind of crazy jumping in a car and just driving for an hour and then going to find this location and thinking, oh my gosh, this is so cool. And then going back and then coming again the week later. I mean, that's a lot of effort. But if you see something that can be captured and you think you can create something because you really feel you want to, then you'd put the effort into it and you'd go and you'll do it. And you'd be so proud of yourself once you see the photograph or the end product. So it is about keeping your eyes open. And most photographers have an eye. So it's just trusting in your eye and trusting in when you see locations to go and practice. And that's all it is as well. It is practice. Can we see you on location using artificial light? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that was so straightforward. I mean, we do, you know, don't get me wrong. We, we do have a backup. So there's always a backup in a car. So there's always a light and a salt box in a I car think also just in as well, case. When it's the time of year, isn't it? So in summertime, there's more light yeah. available. Mm -hmm. In winter, there's less light available. But it's just so working with that. You know, we do have backup, especially on client shoots. Knockwood never had to use, use it before because at the end of the day, there's even if it's an overcast day, you can still make it work with a reflector. And our spaces most of the time are very open. So it's just knowing, again, how to manipulate that light. And it's just naturalized so beautiful. I think that's another thing that's so important to us is the treatment of the skin. That's really important. So I feel that artificial light sometimes can take that away. Having said that, we have shot with the artificial light before, as every photographer has to. And 
you make it work, obviously, still. But if we had the choice, if we have a choice, natural light always wins. Awesome. So we can see you on location with your team and your car, obviously, <laughs> <laughs> for the additional light. I know that for some of your photo shoots, especially if they're low budget, you're taking over the styling. So maybe, Donna, considering your background that you shared with us in the first part of this podcast, maybe you're taking over the costume side, the styling side. Yeah, for sure. I know what I like and I know what looks good. From our photography, you'll see that it's very elegant. It's very simple, very much stripped back and classic. That is the look that I like. Working in costume, we were always creating characters with the clothes, sometimes lots of different accessories and lots of different colors to describe a person's personality and sometimes stripping them right back. But the clothes would always identify the character. For me personally and how I see things, I like the simplicity of things. I like the elegance of things. I like to really showcase the artist when it is to do with smaller projects or passion projects and for us to really get the emotion out of the artist or the talent. So to me, yeah, the clothing is very important. Just very stripped back and very elegant and simple. It doesn't have to be fussy at all. And maybe because of your background, you have some relationships and uh, you can pull some clothes. What would you suggest to the people who don't have relationships like this and don't have a stylist at the moment? use their wardrobe as simple as that yeah just be very creative use what you have that's what I would say use just simple clothing I mean it depends on what type of photography you want to do whether it's portrait photography whether it's fashion photography whether it's art photography there's all these different types of photography so it's choosing what type of photography really ignites your passion and working with it like being creative That's what it boils down to. It could be they could be wearing anything, but depending on how you photograph them, the picture says a thousand words. So I wouldn't allow the fact that you don't have access to major clothes or major wardrobes. Just work with what you've got. That's all you can do, really. And just just keep going. Awesome. I want to go back to the talks that you're given. And you mentioned that one of the topics is, for example, how it is for you to work in a male-dominant industry. So how it is. So Interesting. Uh, it's interesting. It, it's funny. It's just an example I'll give you um, because uh, it, we were just so um, surprised by it. it was, we went to a, an event a few months ago and we were photographers and we walked into a room. It was around 100 photographers. Donna was definitely the only black woman there or the black person there. And we were maybe another five women. And, and we were like, wow, great. It was a thing about kind of some legal rights in advertising and, um, and all that. But it was the picture of how the photography landscape looks. Things are slowly changing, very, very slowly. That is a good thing. By the end of the day, it's still very male dominated. We don't feel too intimidated by it. I think we're both used to this from our previous working environments and advertising is the same thing, film and TV, the same thing. And we're quite confident in what we do. And we take the fact that we're women as our advantage, not in terms of like we're women, so hire us because we're women, but we as women have a different approach. We have a different view on things and we bring something completely different to the table than a male would. 
and I'm not saying they're not good at it. I'm just saying it's a different view. And we just, we just build on that. We're not like competing with anyone. We're just being ourselves and we're just celebrating our femininity and masculinity together. So um, <laughs> that's that. I don't think we have a problem with it being a male-dominated industry. And I think it's time now for change. I think it's time to be equal across the board. And like Marushka says, we don't really have a problem because we're doing what we do. We're confident in what we're doing. If someone wants to hire us, they hire us. If they don't, they don't. But we're still going to continue doing what we do because we enjoy what we do. And talking about your photography, you're particularly famous and very, very, very good at shooting dark skin. Yes. yes. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I think that's very important to us. I think the whole representation thing is important to us. Even when you look at our castings, you know, we are trying to be as diverse as possible and we're not doing it because that's a trend now. We've been doing it since forever because obviously we are who we are as well. And it all started with Donna. I mean, maybe you can talk a bit about that actually because it's how in the past photographers or directors in film TV didn't know how to light the black skin. Black skin, yeah. And in the TV and film world, that was always the case where the actors of colour would come back and say, oh my, did you see the show last night? The way that he lit me was terrible. They'd go on photo shoots, the way that they, they lit us was terrible. Like constantly having people being unhappy, people of colour being unhappy about how they were lit. I'm a black woman. I enjoy being photographed. I enjoy the photographs to look great, for my skin to look great because it is great. So to me, when Marushka and I decided to do photography that was definitely like a representation that I wanted to showcase was photographing people of color in the most beautiful way because th their skin is beautiful yeah. so that's something that we organically as well decided to do and it wasn't that difficult in understanding editing people of color in a different way we were trying we were kind of baffled as to why it has been such an issue for so long However, moving on, we enjoy photographing people of color, brown people, black people, and it's something that we want to see normalized. We want to see it there all the time, not just a phase that's happening right now. And yeah, we totally enjoy it. I think dark skin is so beautiful, personally. I love shooting dark skin or brown or black. It's so rich, and I think it's always a shame when you see a photo shoot and You can see there's a, a black person and it's short, like the skin's completely white. And it's like, why didn't you bring out the richness of it? It's so rich. Or just shot a white person. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. No, yeah. I can't tell you how many shoots when I worked in advertising I was on where like photographers just did not have a clue what to do with a, a dark skin. But for us, it's very important. It's been from the start. And I used to shoot Donna a lot when we met. She was always like, oh, my God, I can't believe how good you made my skin look. <laughs> like, I don't know, it just, it just happened. And it's just, yeah, we do get actually approached quite a lot for that as well, for shooting dark skin, which we love. It is very different to shoot dark skin. And I think the only person who would argue with that is someone who have never shot dark skinned people. I'm a big serious fan. Like, I love movies. I love series. I love it all. I have found out for myself that music is not always working for me. When I'm retouching, 
For example, if it if the music is too fast, I will retouch too fast. If it's too slow, it's going to take me three days to retouch something. <laughs> so music is really not working for me. But what works for me is movies. When someone is just talking, I can retouch all day long and it's just going to be perfect. Oh, wow. So what I do is to usually listen to movies and series. So if the series is... Not my cup of tea, but there are lots of conversations. <laughs> you will see me listening to it. So the other day, I saw a new series that is definitely not my cup of tea because there is lots and lots of drama. Everyone is in love with somebody else that they're not married to. Definitely not my cup of tea, but lots of conversations between women there. So I was like, this is perfect for retouch. However, when I saw the poster, I was so upset because the poster is of all black women, but they look like they're white, basically. Oh. So I got really upset about it. And uh, I really think it's a shame. And it's something that should change in our industry because it is different to light a black skin. But if you do it the right way, it's just so amazing. I love this type of skin. So I know that you guys do your magic just by magic tricks, but maybe you do have an advice or two for that. That was a very long intro to this question. <laughs> no, no, it was a very good intro. You gave a lot of information, which is really good. I don't know. Have Donna Marie by your side. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Donna's very particular. She's because, like, show me, show me, show me. Yeah, because I'm, I know brown and black skin. I know what looks good. And basically, by Marushka's side, while we are editing. If it comes to uh, technicalities, you probably want, I don't know, if you want to make it look really dark and rich, light it well, and probably, I don't know, a quicker shutter speed or whatever, like let less light in. So it, it comes out darker, like don't overexpose it. I think that's the key because if you overexpose it, it's going to be really hard for you to bring that down once you're in editing, even though it's a raw file. If it's overexposed, it's always going to look white. So just think of that as you shoot. It's easier to make it look a bit darker as you shoot and then lighter if you need to than the other way around. That would be a really kind of like simple technical advice. I think it's a great advice, actually. And uh, also, guys, if you're lost on how to do it, just do what these amazing ladies are suggesting. Just try again and again. I think this is the recipe. <laughs> I totally agree with you. As I said before, it's like walking and swimming. Practice, practice, practice. And then you will know yourself, your own technicalities. As you said before, there are basic rules in photography. But when it comes to creativity and how you manipulate and light the skin, you will know your own technique and yeah. that's part of your own style and just practice. Make mistakes. We made mistakes. Make mistakes, learn on it, see how you do it next time. Talking about big mistakes, what was the biggest mistake that you had great takeaway from? I think the biggest mistake that we did as a duo, it goes back to the licensing. A very long time ago, we didn't have a proper conversation and we would agree something with a client without the license include that and then it was just kind of learning on that making sure that that's the at the front of the conversation moving forward because it was important for us to align on things before we actually go into any shoots i think also as well not being afraid to have that conversation because that is how we make our money that is how all photographers make their money and 
knowing that it's our right to have that conversation because we are discussing our creativity and the time that we put into our creativity and helping this client make money and get exposure. So they're coming to us for us to help them have that. So we should be able to get a slice of that pie and to feel confident and comfortable to have that conversation. It was a massive lesson that we learned. We really didn't have anyone to blame but ourselves. And we just made sure that that was never going to happen again. Don't be afraid to own your rights and to know your worth and to charge people for it. At the beginning of the conversation, when you said that you need to scale along with your client, I think you're absolutely right. Maybe one of those changes in the industry that we talked that maybe they should come faster is that, as you said, we should scale along with the client because now everyone is just throwing specific numbers and not everyone is very sure why (laughs) this is the right number. To be honest with you, when we started doing the research into it, we were baffled that there's not a rate, a standard rate that everyone works from depending on the type of job it is. There is nothing out there with any form of guidance there is guidelines but i think in america it's a bit more sorted than here in europe but to be honest with you it is you know me working in advertising and know how complex that is because you could say oh let's get five percent of the money you made on this but then when you are a client it's hard to pinpoint and say what made you that money because you would have a sales team you would have a marketing team then you have billboards you have a tv ad you're gonna have a direct mail you're going to have so many things out that's going to be hard to pinpoint what made you that money and that's a very complex conversations that the clients have on their end to try to get their piece of their pie between different teams so i know the landscape so well so i know it's an ideal world we should but it's so hard and i think for our own sake and for us to actually be able to get some money from it and all other people to take benefits from it we should stick to certain rates, but I agree there should be certain rate cards depending on where, how long it's used, for what medium. But then again, it depends someone who's been a photographer for 10 years and it's really good. Then someone who's been a photographer for one year and it's quite good. Then someone who's been a photographer for one year and it's just starting. It's a big difference because that's what you pay with licensing as well. And that's why it's so fluid as well. There's no rules, unfortunately, but I think it would be hard to set those rules because there's so many moving parts. For sure, it's going to be very hard. You know, I've had this conversation before and it was on a country level. So we get our the really working people in the industry. And of course, there were some new people coming to the industry that just wanted to be part of the conversation. So there were like 50 people in a really big studio and everyone shared their name and their biggest problem. So for everyone, the biggest problem was pricing. Yeah. We started this conversation on how we can come up with some pricing lists or something like that. And of course, there were those people that were saying, yeah, but nobody's going to stick to it and stuff like that. And there was also this conversation that some people are better than others or working for more years than others. I don't think we should talk about specific price for everyone, but I think the low end should be visible to everyone. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, it's you have the low and the high. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get the minimum. I think that's currently there's no minimum. And because there's no minimum, people just don't get paid for it. Exactly. I agree with you 100%. Yeah. 
And because there is no information like this and everyone is feeling super uncomfortable talking about prices, Mm. it's going to be very hard to have some sort of list like that. So I think this is one of the main reasons why the industry is going so down the road. Yeah, because it's everyone's undercutting each other because some people are even doing it for free just to get a name on their portfolio. And it's like, well, yeah, at the end of the day, no one's going to get paid because people are just so hungry just to get something. Throwing each other under the bus. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, I think in America, it's a bit bit more um, structured than here because you have syndicates and all that. Yeah, they have syndications. And also, I think it's the same in UK. I'm very sure it's the same in UK. Generally, in Europe, when you take a photo, you are the owner of the photo. Yeah. No matter what's going to happen. And it's not the same in the States. If you take a photo, you can simply give the rights to someone else. Yeah. Therefore, to make sure that you're the owner of the rights, you have to license your images, which can go through a licensing company or you can just justify it by the law, but you have to register these photos. Yeah. And when you do that, you can fight afterwards, but it's not the same in Europe and the laws are really changing due to the usage of social media. So it's a very complicated issue, but when we talk about price, I think we can really set a standard. I think it's going to take a lot of time. Maybe in this process, the industry is going to go down. (laughs) Maybe it's going to be ruined. Nobody knows. But I think it's very important that we're starting a conversation like this. And I really enjoy the part that where so many people can listen to it, even through this podcast. And now they know that they can become part of this conversation. They can bring up this conversation again and again, whether we talk about the Facebook group or the next time that a fan sees you on the street. Totally. I have to say, though, I think, this podcast has been great and it's been great talking to you and the questions have been great as well. However, I think the most important part was talking about the most educational, part the copyrights, yeah. the, the the money side of thing, because like anything, I think it needs to be talked about. So many things are under the carpet and not talked about. And the more that they're not talked about, the more that people can manipulate the situations. And that goes across the board. Yeah. And I think people have to get comfortable with talking about money. They have to get comfortable with knowing their rights and their worth and continue to have that conversation. Yeah, absolutely. We have regular photo assistants that, you know, we work with. But then, as I said, sometimes, especially on passion projects, we take on new people. They want to just come and meet us for a day or whatever. And the first conversation I always have with any of them is about licensing, saying, do you charge for your license? And 99% they're like, what is that? And these are people like, when was it yesterday? Well, we had a girl that yeah. was studying it. She, she, she's doing master. She did um, the degree in photography. Now she's doing master's in photography. And I was like, I cannot believe that you've done six, seven years of studying at a unis, really well-known unis, and no one's ever mentioned to you how you make money and how you license your photography. So I had to, in half an hour that I had before the shoot with her, I explained all this to her. And she's like, oh my God, I didn't know. And none of them know. And you know, it's a responsibility of the universities as well to at least let them know that this is the basics of everything. Yeah, I do believe so, because I've been to University of Photography and there I got thought about this. And uh, there is, of course, also this side when you start working and your competition have no idea about it. 
And you have to educate them too. Mm. And you have to educate the client because you're getting harder to work with when you talk about licensing. Let's be honest. If everyone else in the industry is never talking about it and is never also charging you for it, yeah. now I'm getting the very difficult one to work with. So you yeah. have to educate so many people. I think this is a great chance to educate more people with just one conversation because <laughs> usually you have to do this one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. And with the podcast, you can just reach so many people at the same time. Yeah, yeah. no, definitely. Totally, totally. And definitely. then they can start a conversation. Yes, definitely. No, I think it's a great thing that you're doing with this podcast for sure. It's good to be a platform to get all this information for people and for them to have access to. So, yeah. Also, thank you to you for being part of it because Thanks to you, now we know about this. And now we know that we need to keep our eyes and our minds open. Thank you so much for being part of the podcast. I love that. And yeah, we love talking to you. These ladies are just gorgeous. And also from the download numbers, I can see that you love the podcast too. So don't hesitate to recommend it to all of your photography friends. And if you really want to help us, you can leave us an honest review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you guys so much for being with us this week. And our next meetup will be on Wednesday, the upcoming week, when we'll be here with a brand new guest. <laughs>